Welcome to Future of Tech. What does it take to be a unicorn? Join host Avishai Sharlin, Division President of Amdocs Technology, as he chats with business leaders and investors who are doing it now. All of our guests this season have achieved unicorn status by building innovative products, disrupting markets, and forging new, exciting industries. Database, infrastructure, security, human resources, marketing, and more. Our guests come from different industries, and you'll hear firsthand how they see the world differently. To really solve a new problem, it's essential to look at the context of the current issue itself. Though it can be helpful to use past context, sometimes that can be a trap because the solutions are old ones and don't really apply to the current situation. With technology developing so quickly, there are entire foundational systems today that didn't exist a decade ago. Armi Lutwak, the co-founder and CTO of Wiz, a company disrupting cloud security by providing a single platform that reveals all exposures, expresses how it's important to look at the cloud as an entirely new technology with different security needs. Armi was also the co-founder of Adalon, which was then acquired by Microsoft. In 2020, he co-founded Wiz, the fastest growing cybersecurity company ever and the fastest unicorn with over 300 million in total funding at a 6 billion valuation in just 18 months since its inception. According to him, on-prem security mentalities combined with fragmented scanning systems are not able to address the complexity of the cloud. On this episode of Future of Tech, Ami shares his entrepreneurial journey and the lessons he's learned along the way that are now earning great results at Wiz. He reveals that he had an interest in computer science when he was growing up, but that it was his time in the army that sculpted him into becoming a technology leader, eager to create new solutions. Enjoy this episode. Future of Tech is brought to you by Amdocs Tech. Amdocs Tech is Amdocs' R&D and technology center, paving the way to a better connected future by creating open, innovative, best-in-class products and continuously evolving the way we work, learn, and live. To learn more about Amdocs, visit the Amdocs technology page on LinkedIn. Welcome to a new episode of Future of Tech. And today I'm very pleased to uh, to have as my guest, Ami Lutwak, uh, who is the co-founder and CTO of Wiz. Hi, really, really excited and great to be here. How did you find yourself uh, making your first steps into uh, technology? So for me, I think it starts 20 years ago. Me and actually that, the other founders of Wiz, uh, we met in August 01, 20 years ago. And now it, I can't say 20 years, now it's 21 years. We joined the army together for uh, nine years service. Um, and, and there we started a journey of, uh, you know, nine years of excellence in, in technology and leadership. and Basically, we started the first startup in 2012, which was a cloud security company, Adalom, focused on SaaS security. And since then, I've been a CTO of Adalom. Then we got acquired by Microsoft. I was the CTO of the Israeli R&D Center. And around a year and a half ago, we wanted to do something new, something that would change the way security is done. How can we imagine how cloud security should be done? Right, and my personal journey uh, is basically, as you see, I was the CTO of a small 
startup, then a CTO of uh, Microsoft Israel, and now a CTO of a very, very exciting um, security startup that tries to transform how we do security. So I would say many years of CTO in very different uh, roles. And before joining the army, did you have the background of technology or the army was the first time that you've uh, encountered technology? I had the background of love of um, computer science and so on. But the way I see it is that the army has the potential to transform and unite uh, people together and really put them on a different path. So definitely for me, the army was um, the point where I got into technology, leadership, and excellence, which is, I think, the key for a CTO. And as a child, did the journey to take uh, computer science was something that uh, was accidental or it, it was always uh, something natural for you? Honestly, as a child, so I was in a, in a shiva, right? So like, uh, we learned until like 6 p.m. every day. Part of it was Jewish schools and part of it was uh, excellence in, in math and science, right? So it was just an obvious path to go to computer science. I think what was not obvious for me is to go into uh, startups and into leadership. That's something that was not like clear to me that should be my goal. And that's honestly, for me, part of that was the, the excellence program I was in the army, basically pivoting myself into something which is not only learning computer science, but also trying to innovate, initiate, and actually start new things, which is something that it's very, very hard to decide you want to do something you know, on your own and take the risk. And that's something that I think if someone doesn't push you and says, I believe in you, it's very hard to, to decide, yes, I am worthy of that. Because usually you think, you know, who am I? <laughs> Why would I succeed where everyone else fails? And in terms of computer science is, is uh, vast and spread around many, many topics. Why cyber? If I go back to my journey, in 2012, we started Adalom, which was a a cloud security company focused on SaaS applications. Obviously, we started that and focused on cyber because I had the initial knowledge about the field and understood gaps, right, that other people did not see, right, because of the unique experience that I had from 8200 and all of the ability to see the big picture of what are the future risks of cloud. If I look at why cyber now, so after many years in cyber, I think that after building the cloud security business in Microsoft, right, and Adelon, we, we have like a really, really good perspective, uh, me and the founders of uh, what should be done. So for me, I, I just feel this is the place I can really make a difference. Uh, and in other areas, uh, I have much less understanding of, hey, this is like this, but it should be like this, right, which is exactly why you want to create a new company when you feel you understand what needs to be different. And in other areas, I don't feel I have this futuristic understanding. Let's uh, dig a bit more into what you're doing today. So Wiz was founded, you've mentioned by yourself and several of your uh, previous uh, colleagues and founders. You've just said it, changed the way we secure the cloud. Yeah, yeah. Very small and uh, not ambitious at all uh, challenge you took upon yourself. <laughs> so, you know, honestly for us, it's not the first startup. Uh, we already led cloud security for Microsoft. So if you don't have a huge ambitious goal, there's no reason to go into the journey. And the idea was this, you know, similar to how you look at the Tesla car, right? The Tesla car looks like a car, but it's not really a car. It's something completely different. I just learned a new word in English. They have a trunk. 
and they also have a front, right? Which is the, the front trunk. Why? Because like everything there is redesigned. And when we, we looked at cloud security, we saw that all of the tools used until two years ago were basically the same tools used on-premise, but just a bit of, um, I would say, adapted to cloud. And we asked the question of, wait, cloud is so vastly different than anything we've seen before. How should security look for cloud? And what we started with, the goal was to say, okay, let's understand the complexities of cloud, understand why it's different, and then reimagine how a security solution for cloud should look like. So let's take it step by step. First of all, maybe try to educate our audience. What is so unique when it comes to cloud that, as you've mentioned, is different from on-premise security-related topics? When we look at cloud and cloud security, there's three fundamental differences that cause cloud, and specifically cloud security, a transformational change for the security org. It's not just a tool. It's not only about WIS, right? And why there's three main reasons. It's always, it goes back to people and process and technology. So the reason cloud is so different, let's start from the people. The security teams today, they were not developers, right? They're coming from a, an on-premise background with networking and firewall configuration. There is no, no overlap between the role that you had just five years ago, uh, configuring a checkpoint uh, firewall to doing cloud security. It's a different role, different knowledge. You need to understand how developers work. You need to understand a lot of technologies. So in terms of people, it's a huge change. And also in terms of process, because developers build things very fast, very, very fast. And the security teams, unlike on-premise where they, you know, you had your own data center, you could control it using the gateway. That's why the most important product in the past were like a Palo Alto firewall. That's not true anymore. Today, what's important is what is the tool that you use for cloud security? Because the, the security team does not control the developers. They have to learn how to work together. So if you combine this completely new profession, different knowledge. So there's a people problem here. There's a huge knowledge gap in the industry. And also you need to rethink your, all of your processes. You have to think how I work together with the developers. How do I understand they move very, very fast? What do I do as security to work with them? If you combine both of these problems, you understand that cloud security is vastly different, not because of a specific tool, because it changes the way the security needs to work with the developers to secure the cloud. Yeah, I hear you. I will ask you in a minute about what is coined in the industry as DevSecOps, but let's move to the other two topics that you've mentioned, then I'll come back to it. It goes like this, right? You have people, process, and technology. So people is, of course, the knowledge gap. Process is how do I work together with developers? And technology is the fact that cloud is vastly complex. When you look at the cloud environment, you have hundreds of different services, multiple ways to run compute. It's not only VMs, right? You have VMs, containers, serverless, you have application services, you have web services. So it's vastly complicated and it changes so fast. And what happened with current or legacy tools where they were focusing on specific parts of the cloud or on-premise, like you have a, a virtual machine scanner or a container security solution or something that looks at configuration, uh, what's called the CSPM. But nothing was actually looking at the cloud, understanding the complexities of the cloud environment as a whole. And that was the, the key problem on technology. The cloud is so complex, you need a tool that understands all of the pillars of the cloud. Now, you can't have a tool that only looks at this or at this, because what happens for the security team, especially because they also don't have the knowledge, 
is that they just don't know exactly what is the critical thing they have to focus right now. So you have, and rightfully you said so, new players in the cloud, some of which we all know, you know, they are called the web scalers, AWS, Azure, you came from one, obviously Google, all of them have huge, huge development centers focusing on security. All of them are providing a lot of security. Why aren't them the solution for the new ecosystem? I'll give you two answers. The first answer is that you can look at what happened just two weeks ago. Log4j, one of the most impactful and severe vulnerabilities in recent years. The Wii solution, which was built for cloud, was the best way to help companies see exactly where it's deployed. Why? Because when we, we say it's designed for cloud, it means it's a solution. You can deploy it in minutes. It doesn't require any agents, no complex deployments. And you can view your exposure across VMs, containers, servers, everything you have in the environment. And then you can prioritize based on what's actually exposed to the internet, what actually has impact. Now, why don't all of the other products today in the market do it? Why don't the cloud providers do it? The answer is that all of them are using legacy approaches even Azure, even if AWS, to do the, what we do, you have to actually deploy their agents. If you want to scan your containers, you need a different solution. If you want to scan your servers, you need a different solution. So none of them were able to understand, and I believe the world will change to what we do, which is basically, no, I want an answer right now. Where do I have log for shell in my environment across everything? And I want it in minutes. I don't want agents. I don't want to have to use different solutions. And by the way, DevSecOps does not help me because I don't care only what or is my code. I, I want to know what's deployed right now in my environment across everything. And there is no solution that does it today, except for Wiz. And it sounds simple, I know, but that's the beauty of you know where you have. That's why I believe we're leading the right approach. I want to get the simple answers to what's happening in the cloud, right? Don't tell me, oh, this is only for VMs, only for containers. For this, you have to, for serverless, you have to do it in the, in the, in the code. No, I want to get simple answers. I want a tool that understands my environment, that works in minutes and can give me answers. And by the way, can also route those answers to the developers, work with them directly, give them permissions to access what they want to see directly. And that's what we did. This is with with the solution that full stack understands all of the computing in the cloud and just really analyzes the cloud, tells you where you have vulnerabilities across everything. And it's proved itself a few weeks ago. Huge companies came to us during that week. We were working 24-7 to deploy huge companies every day with hundreds of thousands of workloads, each of them, because that's the only solution that actually gives you the answers that you need. Okay, so you got me interested. Take me a bit into the details about what Wiz is actually doing and how is it different from the existing solution in the market? Let's start from the big question we're trying to answer. And it's a very simple question. The question is, I want to know my critical risk in the environment. Now, sounds simple, but let me give you like, okay, what is the number one risk for cloud environments? If you look at the news, it's usually an exposed database. That's like, you know, number one risk. So I ask you before Wiz, how, if I ask you as a security team, do you have an exposed database in your environment? How do you answer that? It sounds like a simple question. It's impossible to answer. Why? Because it's complex, right? It can be a past database, right? A database that is managed by the cloud provider. It can be a database running on a VM. It can be a database running on a container. It can be directly exposed to the internet. It might go through a load balancer. It might go through three load balancers. So this simple question is really hard to answer. So the basic 
goal for Wiz was to be able to understand the cloud really deeply, understand all of the different ways to run code, all of the different ways to expose services, and then able to answer simple questions. Now, we did it using, there's four key innovations that we've done. The first one is that we are agentless across everything, right? That's number one, that's critical. Number two, we analyze the cloud. And it sounds simple, but it's not. I will tell you, for a specific container, I understand the entire path of this container to the internet, to the Kubernetes infrastructure, to the cloud infrastructure, actually analyzing the paths, the routing of everything in the cloud. Same for permissions, same for secrets. So analysis of the environment in a way that no tool was ever trying to for. And the third piece is actually correlating all of that what we call a graph, right? So basically you can ask a question like, show me a container, exposed to the internet, has high permissions to access my database and has a critical vulnerability. All of that together is the key because I can correlate all of those. It's not different products. It's one unified product that sees all of those pillars. And the last piece is that we understood that you have to connect it back to the developers. So Wiz was built from day one with the roles with the scoping that allows developers to directly access the tool, to send it to the right ticketing system for the developers and even integrate that into their own CI CD. So it's basically, if you combine all of these agentless deep analysis, a risk view and integration to the dev process, you get a tool that is simply your control plane for the entire cloud. Sounds like a great promise. And as you said, you, you just proved it It's working, uh, unfortunately, for some organization, but still you help them, so it's, it's important. Why wouldn't someone say, okay, looks very nice, agentless, good, and, you know, take them, do the same thing, uh, let's say, tomorrow morning, starting, uh, how much, it took you, what, a year, two years? You know, first of all, my key point is that even, forget about we specifically, my key point is that the right way to do cloud security is with a single tool that is agentless, understands the cloud deeply, and can give you the critical risk and send it to the developers, right? I, I really believe this is the only way to do cloud security. Now, again, I started from a comparison to, to Tesla, where they built a very unique car. Now, all of the other car uh, manufacturers are trying to build a, an electric car, but they're very, very far away uh, behind what Tesla is doing, right? Because it's like a completely new generation of how to think about cars. What we are doing is a completely new way Of how to think about cloud security it's not like what i told you is just just the technicalities of how we've done it but we're asking a different question we have a huge research team focused on let's research what are the critical risks for a cloud environment and then we actually look for them in the tool which is so different than any other tool before it sounds so simple but it's not most vulnerability scanning tools until us we're basically focused on giving you a list of cves list of vulnerabilities on a vm So you get, let's say, millions of results on a small environment, millions. I'm, not, I'm actually saying millions because it is millions of results. We are not doing that. We have a research team, ask questions of what is the critical risk for the environment? And we say, okay, you know what? Let's say a Jenkins machine, a CICD machine exposed to the internet that has critical secrets on the machine is a critical risk. And we look for that because we have the ability to detect Jenkins. We have the ability to detect exposure. And we know how to detect cloud secrets on the machine. Or we combine them. The ability for us to understand risks and then actually create queries to look for them is unmatched and actually was never available as an automatic tool in any other tool. So if I look at us in two years and the industry in two years, we will be much, much, much further than we are today. I believe that other competitors will try to go 
and copy this route. And I, I actually believe it's good for everyone. This is the right way to do cloud security. Why this will be better? Because we'll be two years ahead of them. And going back to the thesis about solving um, everything, Now you've mentioned the attack vectors. Are there any other angles that you are uh, targeting to try and solve? When I look at the, an environment, one of the questions for the security team is the risk question. That's the first question you should ask yourself, do I have critical risk right now in the environment? But that's not the only question. That's question number one. The other question is, let's set baselines or compliance. There is a few baselines that I expect everyone to be part of CIS baseline or other baselines that you decide on. So basically you have two approaches and you can combine them. One approach is let's look at the risk, risk view. That's one approach. And the other approach is let's define security baselines. For example, I don't want any database ever to be exposed to the internet. That's my baseline. So I can define both my custom baselines, my risk profile, and then I can define my projects and get a score for every dev team on what is the risk and what's the status of the baseline, what we call the, we have a heat map. And then we have, you know, and that's my a new role as security. I define my risk profile, I, I define my baselines and the developers can do self-service. They can go and fix and they, everyone sees their status real time across all of the teams. On a completely unrelated thread, but something that, uh, why Wiz? Where did you take the name from? Wizards? Yeah, yeah. When someone uses with the tool, it is quite magical. Like, Let me give an example, a huge customer working with, a, with Prisma for two years. They have hundreds of thousands of workloads. They deployed 5% of the environment. With us, it took like three weeks until we got different teams and the entire environment was deployed. It really is magic. And you, you see risks in your environment that you've never been able to see before. What we want the customers to feel is that there is magic here. It's a tool that really saves them time and gives them exactly what they need to focus on We're trying to, to give them the feeling of this is just magic. You mentioned the fact that there were huge customers now asking for your services and your agent list, but still you probably run on the cloud because you are a cloud application. So how does it go in terms of scale? My goal is to empower the security team. They have many times lack of knowledge, really hard for them to speak with the developers. Even for me, I'm the CTO. I'm responsible for security. Hard for me to speak with my friends and developers because I have lack of knowledge, right? Like exactly what they try to do there. And sometimes it's hard. So I want also to make the cloud security team, the cloud security wizards. I feel like we are empowering them to bridge the knowledge gap. If we look at our customer base, what we've done is that, and that's something we learned in Microsoft from day one. Even our first uh, customers were huge customers. And I'm talking about environments of 10,000 VMs, 100,000 VMs, even 500,000 uh, workloads. We focus from day one on scale. This is something we learned in Microsoft. Um, if you don't build to scale from day one, it will take you years to rebuild your solution until it can actually scale. So what we've done in, in Wiz is actually, we are working with Fortune 500, huge customers like Salesforce, From day one, basically using these environments to make sure that Wiz can scale to any size, you can build a technical debt of 10 years in one year. <laughs> so we really try to do the opposite. Basically, we don't put a feature if it does not scale to huge environments. We start from the biggest customers, and that's why we know that it works for every customer. For the huge customers, it will work also for any other customer. 
You've mentioned in the four uh, aspects of, you know, uh, the, the human uh, gap of knowledge and the need to upskill your security people that eventually you close the loop with the developer. And then you've mentioned the fact that you are actually helping the security department. Aren't you making it obsolete in a way because everything is coming from you guys? You already tell me what to do. So as a developer, the only thing I need to do is... Uh, contact my CEO asking to buy a Wiz license. And uh, from there on, you know, you're telling me what to do. You're actually also telling me how to do it. So maybe no one needs anyone, just the Wiz guys. I'll tell you what we thought before we started Wiz. What you had with legacy tools is that I'm in the security team. I'm getting a list of 5,000 issues. An issue in legacy tools, I'll give you an example. It would say object number 1564 does not have encryption enabled. Okay, and then you go to the developers and you tell them, here are 5,000 things you have to fix. And they start saying, you know, but like 1,000 of these, they don't matter because they're not even actually connected to anything. You know, it's like a, a VNet not connected to, there's no virtual machines there. <laughs> Why do I have to fix it? And so basically security teams became a proxy of delivering results to developers that basically had negative impacts. What we are trying to change is basically transforming the security world. What is the security role? Let's think about what is the number one role for the security team? So my answer is this, reduce risk. That's your role. WIS helps you do that, WIS does, does not replace you because security is risk management. If everyone were fixing all of the issues all of the time, you would write, but, you're, but that's not the, uh, what's happening. Security is about risk management. That is the, the reality. That's why security is so hard because you have to manage risk all of the time. So the security team role is to reduce risk by defining the baseline, the risk profile, and by helping the dev teams also decide what to do, what not to do, what to focus, where the exception is, is it okay? Understanding the developer's perspective, the business need, and deciding if we're taking the risk or not. This is exactly the role of the security team and not being a proxy for sending 5,000 issues to the developers, focusing on critical risks and deciding, can we take the risk or not? Now I want to challenge you because in the past, let's take an analogy, maybe not the perfect one, but there were, you know, several antivirus companies or several firewall companies, and they were differing between one another because one of them was, was able to, you know, look at a specific virus or worm or something. And the other one was, you know, only 20 minutes late or two days late. And they were, you know, challenging each other. We, we saw it first. We were now, you guys are now coming with the, uh, this ultimate tool. If I was a competitor, I would say, you know, maybe you missed something. Maybe I can see things that you can't. How do you protect yourself from a situation in which, you know, you will tell me these are the things that you need to do, but you will miss log4j or you will miss something else. There's two parts to the answer. First of all, we give you all of the data. If you want to get from with all of the misconfigurations, all of the vulnerabilities in the environment, with I don't need you for a prioritization, I just need your amazing engine to scan everything. I'll do the prioritization myself. Of course, you can do it, right? Everything is on the graph and you can grab it using the APIs. That's not a problem. You don't have to use WIS for the risk engine. The data is there. What we provide is just another layer that aggregates, understands the environment and says, you know, from all of the millions of vulnerabilities that you have, this specific critical vulnerability is running on a machine that is actually running a database and it has an exposure to the internet. So the combination of the risk factors is just another value that we provide. I would say to some companies that say exactly like you, you know, we want you for scanning vulnerabilities only. 
and we will do the prioritization on our own. And, and that's great as well. My other part of the answer, if you ask me about missing stuff, legacy approaches, because they need agents to deploy, they're missing usually 50% of the environment because <laughs> like, they see only what they see. So with WIZ, you see everything because we're not depending on agents, right? You see the entire environment. So you don't have any coverage problems across all of VMs and, and containers and serverless. So you actually have much more visibility and you can decide if you actually want to use the prioritization engine. If you want to try to build it yourself, to do a prioritization engine yourself, you will try to build a lot of the things that we've done. You need to build an engine that analyzes what's actually exposed. It's an engine that analyzes effective permissions. So all of the analysis that we've done, you can just use it. You don't have to reinvent it. So it's, a, it's an option for you to use as a customer. Okay. I understand the after, let's call it after effect analysis, but from a preventive perspective, what's the difference in the way in your solution versus, I don't know, sync or white sauce or any other uh, I don't know, Black Duck, and then probably the list goes on and on about, you know, a few other names. I think Log4j was the perfect example of why when we say SecDevOps or ShiftLeft, why this ShiftLeft movement was missing a portion, right? And I was on a discussion with a huge customer. I won't name his, his name. Basically, we were talking with the cloud team and the security team coming to us because they were like for two days trying to answer the question, where do we have Log4j? So they, they put on the, top, the, the, the call the cloud team, the info team. They said, why do we need these tools? Ask uh, the CICD team. <laughs> they know everything. <laughs> and they, they, they put on the call the CICD like the team. And they said, we have no idea. We just, you know, we scan what's in the pipeline. We have no idea where it's deployed. Maybe you have things there five years ago. We have no idea what's deployed everywhere. So what's missing in shift left is that you actually, what you want to do to answer a question like, where's log4j? Is you have to look to the right and then shift to the left. You have to continuously scan what you have in production, right? That's what's important. And then shift to the left, meaning that if you want to improve your processes, you say, okay, I, I know where's log4j, but now going forward, I, I see this problem and I want to make sure it doesn't happen again. As you say, it's like, I look at production, I, I fix stuff. And then it's a cycle of a risk that I call it the life cycle of a risk. I fix it in production. I can move it to the CICD so it doesn't happen again. It's just another process of remediation. You have a risk, you remediate, and then you prevent. You see, it's a cycle. Now, what's missing in all of the other tools until now, you didn't have the cycle. It was missing. Another simple example why the cycle is so basic and it doesn't exist today. I'm a developer. I'm using a library. It has a vulnerability, okay? I need an exception. So suppose I scan it with something in the CI/CD. What's the exception process today? It doesn't really exist. Because when I go to production, there's another tool that scans it. So do you think these processes align? No, you actually, so you get this one a bit and they go back to the developer and say, what do you want? I, I, I did an exception in the CICD. It has to be connected. It doesn't make any sense. It has to be one cycle. It's not shift to the left. It's look to the right, shift to the left. And, and that's exactly our differentiator. We are not a CICD tool. We are a tool that understands your entire flow from the cloud back to the developer. And we can run the same engine in every place that you are working in the CICD, in production, have one exception flow, one visibility, one last example I'll give you. I'm the CISO. Where do I have images that didn't go through scanning? That's a simple question. Where do I have in production images that didn't go through scanning? Impossible to answer today. But of course, if you have a tool that sits in every place, you can answer these kind of questions. You've mentioned the fact that cloud obviously is a fundamental key 
point in your solution. And I will not be revealing, you know, any secret about the fact that there are more than one cloud in the world. So is there a different solution coming from you if it's a Google cloud or an Azure cloud or an AWS cloud or who knows, an Alibaba cloud? Because we went through a startup and then we went through Microsoft, there's a lot of things that we learned that we've established here. First of all, build to scale from day one and also support multiple platforms from day one. So from day one, the first version of Wiz was already GCP, Azure, and AWS. And it's this weird parity across all of them. If you don't start from that, from day one, you will always be shifted to a specific cloud. So Wiz is, runs across these clouds, a full parity across all of the feature sets. And when we look into the future, I would say we are not limited only by these cloud providers and not even only on public cloud. We would be able to extend also to hybrid cloud and private cloud. These are the initial stepping steps for us, extending this to basically become the new way to do cloud security for the public and hybrid cloud. I'd like maybe to ask you a more philosophical question. You gave several examples about Log4j, but probably there are others. What's your philosophy about the usage of open source as a whole in the industry? We all use it. We'll continue to, uh, you know, to push forward for it on one end. On the other end, who knows what it brings? So... As, as someone that, you know, plays in this ecosystem for a long time, what's your perspective? Security is risk management, right? Risk management means that using open source is risk, but also using closed source is risk. I don't think that open source is riskier than closed source because obscurity is not security. Why is that? Because obscurity many times hides the vulnerabilities. I actually truly believe in open source, and I don't think it's less secure than closed source. It's always risk management, meaning that when you use a project in open source, you have to always make sure it's a popular project because most chances are that it has less vulnerabilities than using in production an open source library that has five stars. So as long as you use highly popular libraries and open source tools, your risk is lower. Is it zero? No. The reality is that there's, there's never zero risk. You know, we have a, a cloud vulnerability research team. We are researching vulnerabilities in the cloud platforms. We've published a research on a, what we call ChaosDB that showed that we could access the data of anyone using Cosmos DB on Azure. Even the cloud providers have vulnerabilities. It's not only open source. Security is about risk management and using an open source library, as long as you put the right decision process in using the right libraries, it is usually the right decision. If we are about philosophical question, maybe I'll touch a bit the fact, you know, we are in unicorn season, so I'd like a bit to touch the, uh, the fundraising related aspects of, of Wiz, but as a whole, you know, maybe pick your brain about, you know, you've been there uh, with Adalom uh, and the journey was very long before, you know, um, you were acquired and, and the numbers was completely different than today's industry. So first of all, is it like, are we crazy? Or uh, is the industry went out of its mind? Or do you believe that we are in the, in the right place in the right time? And second, what's the uh, challenge? Or is there a different challenge in, in a company that so fast became like a huge unicorn? I feel like if I compare this to Adam in 2012, and Adam was a, a very successful startup, very fast in like two and a half years. We built a business. We got acquired by Microsoft for $300 million. So it was considered very, very quick startup. 
But if I compare that to WIS, in WIS we are moving 10x faster, right? We are uh, selling in a month more than we sold in all of years of uh, Adam, and we are less than two years old. How can that be? So I think there's, for us, and that's my personal view, there's, there's two main reasons. First of all, the cloud. And it sounds weird, but the cloud, the technologies that we are using to deal with, they didn't exist in 2012. We couldn't move as fast in 2012. We are using like a graph database. Um, it's called AWS Neptune. It doesn't it didn't exist. We are pushing code every hour. If I compare this to Adelon, I had to wait two weeks, right? Now, I, every hour we get new code. So the technologies are better and they allow us to move much faster and build a scalable solution. We were scanning, just to get a, a perspective, a, a million files, more than a million files a second. Crazy. This was not possible. So first of all, the technology allows us to move much faster than I could in Adelon. And the second is that due to COVID, everything became remote. And remote means that it's also much more efficient. I can work with huge companies. I can deploy there without actually visiting them. And it's okay. Of course, it's more fun to actually meet the customers and work with them face-to-face. -face. But in, in terms of efficiency, the ability for a startup to grow as fast as we've done is only because of the technology advancements in the cloud and because of the remote culture that we have. If you combine them, there's really, basically, there's no limit on the speed that you can grow. Good arguments, I must say. Ami, on a personal level, this journey that you've taken, you know, many years back, if uh, a student at the university is now, you know, debating himself, should he go into cyber, should he go into computer science as a whole, What will you tell him? On computer science, I think like math, you know, it's, it's the language of everything, right? So everyone needs computer science background, right? Everyone in every profession. So I would say you should have at least a minor in computer science because everything is computers, right? So it's the language of everything. And you don't want to have to rely on someone else to do the talking for you. And it's a huge power to have the ability to master computer science. In terms of cyber, so, you know, cyber is just, it's a niche, right? So honestly, you know, on a, I'm not saying cyber is the only uh, path. There's a, a lot of very interesting fields. I got to cyber from based on my personal journey, but I wouldn't say that's the only interesting field out there. I can say that cyber is critical to enable technology and it's not going away. The threats are just becoming more frightening because, and this is important to understand, threats usually come from complexity. And the more technology we have, the more complex it becomes. So there's more threats. So cyber is always going to be there. So it's a good area to make sure that we have a lot of talent there. But that only if someone really, you know, is interested in working in cyber. I think that would be computer science for everyone. Cyber only if you feel like you're up to it. So you've mentioned the fact that, you know, the journey itself is, is indeed is, is a personal journey. How about the journey to be an entrepreneur? Would you recommend it to um, everyone or things to look at before jumping on? Uh, people may feel, you know, that it's very easy and it took you two years to sell your first company and then uh, one year now to, to be a unicorn. So maybe, you know, something that everybody should. Uh... Honestly, the only path that proved for me as the right path until now was always to try to be part of an, an amazing group. Right? Honestly, this is like my best recommendation is that whatever you choose, you have to focus on being with an amazing group that is excellent because that is the best thing to push you forward. 
humans are friendly creatures, right? They're uh, motivated by others. So it doesn't have to be new startups. But what's important is that you always push yourself forward. And the best way to do it is just to be in the company of amazing people. For me personally, I must admit, I never thought I'd actually be someone that creates startups. It's not like it was written in my notebooks on fifth grade. Honestly, I I didn't think I, I have it in me or that I, I'm special that I could do it. Like, And I don't know exactly why is it that we were able to build the company and others were not. Honestly, it's not like it's something I dreamed from being a kid. I can tell you that it's about having the will not to be afraid. And I, th- I know it sounds like a cliche, but just not to be afraid to fail. <laughs> it's really that. Like a lot of people are afraid to fail. And the way I see the world is like, I'm going to do whatever I can to try and make it successful. If it will fail, it's okay. I feel like so many people are don't make changes in their lives because they're just afraid uh, from failure. Definitely not everyone are built to be a, an entrepreneur. It's a train that goes up and down. And if you're not uh, up to, you know, having a lot of really happy days, but also really, really hard and sad days, it's not for you. And also not everyone wants to put 200% of their lives into a company. It's definitely not for everyone. Any tip for those who are taking this journey that you'd like them to take? Yeah, so it's not about the idea. Both in Wiz and in other, we changed the idea several times. It's not about the idea. The basis for me for a startup, and that's why I actually, you know, I started a startup is basically the team. <laughs> it really goes back to the team. You need to have an amazing dynamics between the team. The team is the basis because the idea can change, but the team does not. So the team is the key. And being always, I call it like in the army, always in the field, lead the field. So whatever happens, even today, right? All of us, all of the founders, everyone in the company are always with customers all of the time because the customers, they know what they want. They don't know exactly to tell you, but they, they know right? When you show them. So if you have a really, really good team that is really, really focused on working with customers all of the time, then you have a better chance to find something that is useful and will help them improve their effectiveness. And that will create for you a successful startup. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was really interesting and I enjoyed the time. I really see um, the whiz in you and the whiz uh, around you. And, and thank you for the time. Thank you so much for hosting me. It was a really great experience. I hope we'll uh, get to uh, meet soon. I hope so too. Thanks for listening to Future of Tech. If you like what you heard and want more, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to write to our host, Avishai Sharlin, directly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.